0: Gentlemen, we'll begin our final descent. As we prepare for landing, please make sure your seatbelt is fastened and your seatback and tray tables are stowed. Also, this time, please put away all carrying items, including
1: laptops and devices of similar size for landing. landing.
2: Five, two, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to enter with
3: Diva. If you need instrumentals, recording, mixing, or mastering, maybe a music video, photo shoot, or graphic designing, need bouncy castles, face painting, popcorn, cotton candy, or characters for the kids, want to do online or offline promotion, maybe both, let's print your t shirts and everything else. Here at Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, we got you covered. Reach us on FB and Instagram at Inner Sanctum Entertainment LTD, YouTube at Inner Sanctum Entertainment, and Twitter at iSanctum Studios. Or call us at one eight six eight three three eight four one two three. That's one eight six eight three three eight four one two
4: three. Hello, Hello Rama listeners! Welcome to this final episode of the year 2019 i want to share with you the favorite episodes that i've done and that people have enjoyed so much my name is tanaika williams aka princess tia the diva and i am here with you relaxing chilling meditating reflecting on you know what the year has been like for me as a podcast and and as a university student i started a podcast called talking reality with divo but it it was just not working out and i want to say thanks to my big friend and mentor mr wilbert williams who coached me through this journey trust me mr williams you are a tower of strength and he has his own podcast called vision scope you can also find it on anchorfm.net so the first brief episode i will bring to you is the introductory episode of Rama with diva it is important to surround yourself with others and things that are good for you hello jamaica the caribbean and the world welcome to the first introductory podcast episode of CULTURAMA WITH DIVA! And I am your host, Diva, from the Caribbean island of Jamaica. A warm welcome, welcome, welcome to you all. This is the first introductory episode, and I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. CULTURAMA WITH DIVA, where simplicity is the best thing. Questions, concerns, comments, suggestions, please, feel free to send us an email to culturegramma.ja at gmail.com That's C-U-L-T-A-R-A-M-A dot J-A at gmail.com Or, you can follow me on Twitter at Tanny G. Williams That's T-A-N-N-Y-G Williams W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S You can find my podcast on the following sites, AnchorFM.net, SoundCloud, MixCloud, Podomatic.com, Podbeam.com, and 195 The Globe, where the world revolves around you. You can find them on the TuneIn app. Just go to your Google Play Store or the Apple Store, download the app, and you can listen to it there. Now we move on to Inspirational Moments with Dr. Hicksfeld Douglas. Trust me, he was the first person who I really asked to start off the show for me in terms of uh, to be interviewed. Inspirational Moments with Dr. Hicksfeld Douglas. Welcome to the first episode of Inspirational Moments with me, here's Julie Devo. And with me, I have a very special guest in studio. Welcome, Dr. Hickswell Douglas from Kingston, Jamaica. First of all, Dr. Douglas, tell me, who is Dr. Hickswell Douglas? How did you end up being blind?
5: Well, as you said, my name is Hickswell Douglas, but I like to tell people that I am Hickswell Alexander Alfonso Altamont Adolphus Douglas. I hope nobody tries to copy, to put, it has a copyright, so please don't um, try and copy my name. That's just my MC name. I was born in the cool hills of Stony Hill, St. Andrew. I was diagnosed very early with a vision impairment. I don't think the doctors knew exactly what was what, but because I didn't say exactly what it was. Most people said that I was I had I was short-sighted and they just fitted me in some big old sick lens, which caused people to want to tease me when I went through infant, I mean basic and primary school. Of course, I never light the glasses sometimes, but one of those things, because you couldn't run up and down and a ramp like everybody in them. Next thing you break them, and you know when you go home, all hell is going to break loose. I went to regular primary school um, and failed everything, all the common entrance exams, the technical entrance, and the grade 9 achievement test. So I finished all age school not passing anything. Went in like a johnny cake, came out like a dumpling convinced my mother to send me to a high school, private high school, Stratford High. There, I thought I would make all the transformation. The ghost of failure followed me again, so went in and came out without anything at all. And after that, National Youth Service came in. I worked at a basic school on Manningsville Road for two years, and as soon as I was finished, there was a vacancy at the Salvation Army School, which was directly opposite the basic school, Rosedale basic school. Got a job there for two months and it turned out to be two years. The most transformative period of my life. I learned to do orientation and mobility, Braille reading, writing, typing, and I was able to restore my self esteem. So from there, I worked after I graduated from college. I worked in a primary school in Montego Bay, Catherine Hall Primary. Did about 17 years there that was the the real groundwork that's where i learned a lot of skills and i you know expanded my own experience in teaching and so on so that's where it all started and that's how i came up along the way I had brothers and sister one sister. my sister was a great support and my mother was a great support
4: dr douglas i find this story really interesting and uplifting and i know that my listeners will continue to enjoy your motivational speaking now tell me your life journey as a U.S. student back then and you were one of the few blind slash visually impaired persons who entered the university of the west indies mona jamaica back then tell me your life journey there and you were former special educator at the ministry of education tell me how did you end how did you end up there and what are some of the roles slash functions you played at that facility and i understand that you conduct some workshops tell me about tell me about those
5: i got into ue having failed the university entrance exam in those days and i actually got in on the basis of an interview by the then head of the Department of Educational Studies, Ms. Meter Bogle. That proved at the very outset to me to be a very interesting thing, that having failed the entrance, I could have been brought in on the basis of an interview. And, um, and I thought that that was very transformative. UWE in those days didn't really offer much to students who had vision problems. There was a committee that would assist students, but it was limited at that point. I think the university was experimenting with the whole idea of what to do, how to do it, how much of it to do, that sort of thing. So they were a part of the whole process. There were some very willing lecturers who championed the cause of persons with special needs. But I think it was more those students who had vision challenges. I joined the committee after a certain time and the and found that we were able to advocate for more things and people had a better understanding of who we were and what we needed in those days the university offered made sure that we got our exams in braille and we had the option to type them to 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 to, to answer questions in braille or to use the old time manual typewriters to type our answers when i entered The head of my department thought it would have been very innovative if the university would take would allow students to dictate their answers to voice them on tape or to have somebody write them I would not have been very interested in persons writing for me because I keep switching and changing a million and one times with the ideas that run through my head Head, then another
4: crowd favorite was camellia candy isaac this girl can sing her heart out she's visually impaired she's a gospel artist songwriter musician all those sort of stuff and she was the first uh blind person to make history in a particular music genre i believe it's jazz at the edna Manley school of visual and performing arts here in jamaica Hi Candy, how are you doing?
6: Hey Diva, thank you so much for having me, it is my pleasure. I'm doing very well, thank you, very, very well. I've been anticipating this interview for the longest while now and I'm finally here. Thanks again for having me.
4: First of all, tell me a little bit about Camelia Candy Isaacs.
6: A little about Camila Candy Isaacs. Hmm, what should I say? Well, I've been visually impaired. Well, I've been totally blind from birth. I attended the best high school in the universe, which is the Woolmers High School for Girls. I am a singer slash director slash composer. Yes. That's me. That is Camila Candy Isaacs. I, my saying says, I am music and music is me.
4: Tell me what led you to Christianity and how would you define music?
6: Well, as I stated before, yes, I'm a entertainer, musician, yes, slash gospel artist. What led me to Christianity? Well, I should tell you that when I was born, my mom had it in her mind that she would give me until she was I was um, six months then she would start clubbing because life would have been so messed up with her so she decided that she was going to give me she was going to wait off until I was six months she even started practicing to drink um, <laughs> by doing um, putting ice in a, in a glass of stone ginger wine every night because she said she was practicing to start clubbing and partying when I get to six months but the Lord would have it that she got saved she gave her life to Jesus when I was four months old and that's how I I come to realize that there is actually a calling on my life I actually became a Christian when I was five years old well four years old to be exact two days before my fifth birthday right that's why I said five so i became a christian at that time i was singing in the church because i started singing at 10 months old i should tell you um and i started talking at 10 months old i started singing in the church when i was three
4: Kindly give us a small piece of one of your songs that you have written and the title and what inspired you you know to make that song you know
6: thanks again for having me and there's a song that I wrote when I was in college called Dreams, and I, I would just like to sing the chorus to encourage um, those of you that are listening that if you have a dream, never give up on it. A dream is like a seed that's planted, and it's for you to nourish it. And believe me, when you nourish that seed, then it will grow to become a reality. So here goes.
1: Hold
6: on tight to your dreams. It matters not how hard the road ahead may seem. Follow through it all. Answer to that call. Be true to yourself. Above all. you very much one more time for
4: having me jumping down the line jumping down the line oh my gosh one of my other favorites and crowd favorites was inspirational moments with kelly brown oh lord of mercy i tell you guys kelly you are such an inspirational person and and i and i just Trust God, and I pray that he will continue to guide you in that path because this is for you. And, you know, I, I just had to bring on this lady because she was going through a lot. And for her to come and share it with us, it was a wow moment.
1: The thing is, I was supposed to do my, you know, summer employment, and yes. I couldn't do it because of, you know, the blindness and all. And, you know, it stayed that way for the whole of July, the whole of August, the whole of September. And midway in October was when, you know, this, I started to glimpse again. I started to see something like light. And after I told my mommy, she said, you know what, kills? Just every time you glimpse something, say, thank you, Jesus. Even though my mom was not a Christian, you know, like any religious really Jamaican, mm-hmm. you send your children to shun the school and you send your offering and all of that, but you're not going, you know? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. little did she know what she was really doing because I... It was just after I got baptized, one month later to be exact, was when the whole episode of blindness started. But I was not daunted, I was not discouraged because, you know, I had the family support of both, you know, my spiritual brothers and sisters in the Mm Lord, as well as my immediate, as well as my my blood relatives. And so I give thanks for that. And so in mid-October, when the site started to show some improvement in terms of me seeing light and, make out a little shadow or such such the like. I told my mommy I wanted to go back to school to complete my high school education. And when I went up to the school, that was the first time I ever cried and you might be thinking, then after being blind and you don't cry, you go up to school and...
4: Then another crowd favorite was Leroy Phillips. What do you do segment with Leroy Phillips? I'm
7: made to the corner with a make it. And that's what we're doing to take it. Sure. I've been here for sure. Don't worry. i bam bam, bam bam
8: Bam. It's
4: not an easy road. With me in the studio I have Mr. Leroy Phillips from Georgetown, Guyana. Hi, Leroy.
9: Hello, Tamika. How are you? I'm
4: great. Welcome to the program.
9: Thanks for having me.
4: This program is called Motivation Slash Inspirational Moments. So first of all, tell us who is Leroy Phillips?
9: Well, I believe Leroy Phillips is it's a really difficult thing to explain who I am. But I know I'm a totally blind person who live in uh, Georgetown, Guyana. I was born here, live here. I'm a university student at the University of Guyana. Um, I am pursuing a degree in public communication and I have been practicing um, broadcasting for the past eight or nine years or so. And yeah, wow. and people will also see me as a blank cricketer as well.
4: Tell us about your journey at the university level.
9: Well, it was all an interesting one and, you know, starting way back in my um, teens, I never expected to be um, a student at the University of Guyana. I knew little about being at university, so I didn't have it as part of my future plans. But, you know, as you grow old and you hang with different people who had different, you know, perspective or outlook to life, your, you know, plans change gradually. So I became a university student at the age of 23 i think it was a 25 actually yeah and um i started studying communication it's been quite challenging but you know i always say to win challenges you have to be strong and fighting them so i kept strong um, in spite of all the challenges that came with being a university student. And some of these you know, challenges really detail into poor accessibility and poor infrastructure for persons with disabilities in Guyana, because we're just one of the Caribbean countries who are now coming to terms with you know, working with people with various forms of disability. So for me, it was a learning adventure, still is, with my final year to come this September. And for all the lecturers, well, not all of them, for most of them, it has really been a learning, you know, venture for most of them. So, you know, we're learning together, but, you know, I always tell people, I don't think I'm going to pursue my master's program here in Guyana or even a postgrad. I might just give it a chance with a postgrad, but I don't want to be dealing with accessibility issues and trying to help the university, um, help you know provide you know for its disabled students while studying at the same time i love what i do and another thing that persons also put to my name is a disability advocate but i don't want to be doing disability advocacy work while pursuing my postgrad or my master's program because it has been quite fatiguing to model between both worlds and while at the university of guyana
4: wow so let me backtrack a little because i have yeah. a lot of questions First of all, tell me, what are some of the challenges you face, if you don't mind sharing? Because you mentioned some, there are so many issues that university hasn't gotten as yet, and you have to be the one filling them in.
9: Yeah, for example, I know when I started, um, lectures were amazed and flabic acid by blind students being in their classes, so a lot of them were like... Leroy, how do we um, get you the notes? How do you study the information taught in school? How do we get you the information that we put on the, um, the projector? How do we get that to you? Then you have to go through all the explanation of saying, all right, um, there is this um, screen reader software called JAWS or NVDA or whatever. You you email Explain it to us because... To us. So I know JAWS and NVDA are um, screen readers. Uh, once they are installed... To any computer system anyone it could be the most expensive or the cheapest once those two are installed (laughs) um, to a computer desktop or laptop like non-disabled people use blind or visually impaired people are able to perform normal tasks or duties on a computer as anybody else would with their perfect sight and so on so they talk basically so when you learn or master the keyboard and certain stuff on the computer like commands you're basically you know independent again if you previously used computing your different life when you're outside so you're able to navigate and do your emailing write your um scripts if you're into broadcasting or if you're writing books or if you're a secretary you can write all your minutes and so on so it's, it's they're pretty accessible for blind people but they don't read pictures that much.
4: So you mentioned that you're a broadcaster for eight years. Why broadcasting?
9: Well, I often ask myself the same question because I can always remember it from the back of my head. I like I said, I never knew what I wanted to become. I was actually today, when I was coming to the location that I'm currently at for this interview. um, Something the driver, oh well, I was telling him how excruciating um, the heat is um, in Guyana today, and I was like telling him, I wish you know, Guyana was carrying the temperature of this car. He had his AC on, so he said, "Why, man?" I said. I was telling him I don't like the heat and I said I'm glad I got the job I always I got what I always wanted when I was a child. I said I, I always wanted to work in the AC office. Office that had an AC. What? So he was he was like, What job do you have? I said, I work in the media. So I'm in the AC office twenty four seven. So I'm pleased about that. Yeah. So when it started many years ago, I think it was back in two thousand ten or eleven, uh-huh. um one of my blind friend who was an established disability advocate here in get <sighs>
4: Hello Culturama listeners welcome to the show Culturama with devo where simplicity is the best thing With me in studio I have Mr Leroy Phillips Georgetown, Guyana.
9: Hi, Leroy. Hello, Tamika. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me.
4: This program is called Motivation Slash Inspirational Moments. So first of all, tell us, who is Leroy Phillips?
9: Well, I believe Leroy Phillips is, um, it's a really difficult thing to explain who I am, but I know I'm a totally blind person who live in uh, Georgetown Guyana I was born here live here I'm a university student, student at the University of Guyana um, I am pursuing a degree in public communication and I have been practicing um, broadcasting for the past eight or nine years or so and yeah wow. and people will also see me as a blind cricketer as well
4: tell us about your journey at the university level
9: Well, it was all an interesting one, and you know, starting way back in my um, teens, I never expected to be um, a student at the University of Guyana. I knew little about being at university, so I didn't have it as part of my future plans. But, you know, as you grow old and you hang with different people who had different, you know, perspective or outlook to life, your, you know, plans change gradually. So I became a university student at the age of 23 i think it was a 25 actually yeah and um i started studying communication it's been quite challenging but you know i always say to win challenges you have to be strong and fighting them so i kept strong um in spite of all the challenges that came with being a university student and some of these you know challenges really detail into poor accessibility and poor infrastructure for persons with disabilities in guyana because we're just one of the caribbean countries who are now coming to terms with, you know, working with people with various forms of disability. So for me, it was a learning adventure, still is, with my final year to come this September. And for all the lecturers, well, not all of them, for most of them, it has really been a learning, you know, venture for all, most of them. So, you know, we're learning together, but, you know, I always tell people, I don't think I'm going to pursue my master's program here in Guyana or even a postgrad. I might just give it a chance with a postgrad, but I don't want to be dealing with, accessibility issues and trying to help the university um help you know provide you know for its disabled students while studying at the same time i love what i do and another thing that persons also put to my name is a disability advocate but i don't want to be doing disability advocacy work while pursuing my postgrad or my master's program because it has been quite fatiguing to model between both worlds uh, while at the university of guyana
4: Wow so let me backtrack a little because i have a lot of questions first of all tell me what are some of the challenges you face if you don't mind sharing because you mentioned some there are so many issues that university hasn't gotten as yet and you have to be the one filling them in
9: yeah for example i know when i started um, lectures were amazed and flabic acid by blind students being in their classes so a lot of them were like Leroy, how do we um, get you the notes? How do you study the information taught in school? How do we get you the information that we put on the um, the projector? How do we get that to you? Then you have to go through all the explanation of saying, all right, um, there is this um, screen reader software called JAWS or NVDA or whatever. You you email Explain it to us to because... Us. So I know JAWS and NVDA are um, screen readers. Uh, once they are installed To any computer system anyone it could be the most expensive or the cheapest once those two are installed (laughs) um, to a computer desktop or laptop like non-disabled people use blind or visually impaired people are able to perform normal tasks or duties on a computer as anybody else would with their perfect sight and so on so they talk basically so when you learn or master the keyboard and certain stuff on the computer like commands you're basically you know independent again if you previously used computing your different life when you're outside so you're able to navigate and do your emailing write your um scripts if you're into broadcasting or if you're writing books or if you're a secretary you can write all your minutes and so on so it's, it's They're pretty accessible for blind people, but they don't read pictures that much.
4: So you mentioned that you're a broadcaster for eight years. Why broadcasting?
9: Well, I often ask myself the same question because I can always remember it from the back of my head. I like I said, I never knew what I wanted to become. I was just, actually today, when I was coming to the location that I'm currently at for this interview. Um, something the driver, oh well, I was telling him how excruciating um, the heat is um, in Guyana today, and I was like telling him, that "I wish you know, Guyana was carrying the temperature of this car." He had his AC on, so he oh, said, "Why, wow. well, man?" I said, "I was telling him I don't like the heat," and I said, "I'm glad." I got the job. I always I got what I always wanted when I was a child. I said I, I always wanted to work in the AC office office. I had an AC, what? so he he was like, "What job do you have?" I said, "I work in the media." So I'm in the AC office twenty four seven. So
3: I'm pleased about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you need instrumentals, recording, mixing, or mastering, maybe a music video, photo shoot, or graphic designing. Need Bouncy Castle's face painting popcorn, cotton candy or characters for the kids? Wanna do online or offline promotion? Maybe both. Let's print your t-shirts and everything else. Here at Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, we got you covered. Reach us on FB and Instagram at Inner Sanctum Entertainment LTD, YouTube at Inner Sanctum Entertainment, and Twitter at iSanctum Studios. Or call us at one 868 4123 That's one 868 4123
4: then another crowd favorite as we jump down the line um oh yes before i forget before i even forget my first entrepreneurial idea you know my first entrepreneurial guest was mr gary kemer you know a travel i i have never heard of a visually impaired travel agent before i have never really truly, never (laughs) you know i've never heard about that and so he enlightened my darkness about you know being a blind father of two because he's he's a single parent a blind father of two plus selling cd cbd oil products plus travel agent plus dj oh wow hey mr dj how you doing hello culturama diva fans it's yours truly the certified diva from kingston jamaica which is located in the caribbean Welcome to this, another segment of Entrepreneurship slash Your Business Idea. And I have a very special guest in my studio today. Let's welcome Mr. Gary Cameron. Hi, Gary.
2: Hey, Tia. Thanks so much for having me.
4: So first, tell us, who is Gary Cameron?
2: Well, to begin, Gary is a number of things and a Multifaceted arena of different occupations, I guess you can say. But I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, and when I was about 18 years old, I moved down to Brussels, Louisiana to train in the of line to gain some knowledge, relevant skills that I would need for life in general. In the process of that, I've also and children, and I also own a few businesses. My passions are essentially DJing and music and things in the arts, but I'm also very passionate about self-empowerment and about putting people in positions so that they can be successful in whatever arena that they find themselves in.
4: That's nice. So... Define for me in your own words, who is an entrepreneur? In
2: essence to me, an entrepreneur is someone who does one or two things. They either create a totally new idea as a good or service and present it to the public in the form of a business, a for-profit or non-profit business, or they take an existing idea and they innovate off of that idea in order to create something remarkable. That can already be brought into a certain niche market.
4: Mm, cool, interesting. And tell us now, what is entrepreneurship?
2: Entrepreneurship is merely the execution of an entrepreneur, either a sole proprietor or a partnership, into doing business and providing a good or service that can occupy a certain niche in the marketplace.
4: From your point of view, how would you explain the U.S. economy based on based on the president's current crisis situation?
2: I think we find ourselves in a situation that is long overdue. I wouldn't say we have quite reached a crisis point yet here in the United States. I do feel that I think it's an an issue here of entrepreneurship in America and more larger scale parts of our economy, such as the corporations, has dwindled quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And what that has done is it has created a vacuum for people in other countries, such as China, Mexico, different places like that, to begin to fill that void because there's a need for quality products and affordable prices. And being that that need exists, corporate America has gotten comfortable providing basically the same product at a very much inflated price. Mm -hmm. And so, what people have done throughout China, India, Mexico, is they use existing intellectual property in order to create new products that sometimes can be of better quality and still yet at a cheaper price. And that's what is. Upsetting the president of the United States because we're losing out on a lot of money.
4: money, money. I'm jumping on the line, everybody. Another crowd favorite was musical slash entertainment with Mr. Kareem Paul from Trinidad and Tobago. I met Kareem in a Christian group called the Visionaries, and when I heard his songs, I said, trust me, God, I got to interview this gentleman and so said, so done. I got his contact and we made um, communication possible. Hi Kareem, how are you?
10: Hi, I'm great and thanks for having me.
4: First of all, tell me Who is Kareem Paul before becoming an artist?
10: Well, I'm Kareem Paul. I am 26 years of age. I got blind at the age of five from glaucoma. I was in first year at the time that I went blind. So I had to come out of regular school and go to the school for the blind to learn braille. I stayed there for three years, and from there I went back into mainstream school. Uh, the name of my primary school was St Joseph's Boys' R.C. So I went back into standard two, and from there I continued up to standard five, where I sat my SEA exam, and I passed for. Take a sec. I went secondary, that's my secondary school. And I also did CXC at that school. Stayed there for 5 years, did CXC. And while while in secondary school, I did music. And I learned the pan. So Pan as in steel
4: pan.
10: Steel pan, yes.
4: Oh, okay.
10: And I joined the panorama junior panorama side in my school. I played the geta pan, which is two two pans, is a double pan. So that that was my introduction into pan. If I could back explain the to... Ghetto
4: pan some more, the
10: Ghetto pan. Oh, the Ghetto pan. The gets a pan. Well, as I said, it was this two two pan side by side. Each pan has ten notes. Mm-hmm. It's part of the back, the background section because there's the tenor pan, which is the lead pan, which plays the melody, and then well there's these double seconds and getters, getters. play. Oh, so it's like, it's, a, it's
4: like a, it's like a backup singing thing then?
10: Like when was uh, more or less. You play, you play most of the chords. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, the piano plays at the actual notes of the song, the melody. Oh.
11: So, okay. Yeah, that's
10: that's a little bit about the a fan.
6: Mm-hmm.
10: And um, at the age of seven, I got my first drum and I joined the Sunday the afternoon quiet in
4: my church and keep it going guys keep it going going down the line another crowd favorite is entrepreneurship slash picture business idea with mr aaron george hi aaron how are you doing now aaron is the ceo of inner sanctum entertainment now guys i approach aaron within a partnership view as in to work together to let this podcast be a success and trust me he was delighted to sponsor the culture on with diva program hi aaron
11: hi diva
4: welcome to the show who is aaron george
11: well aaron george is a producer he's the ceo of inner entertainment He is a person that believes in using what you have to the best of your abilities, getting the most out of what you are given. I'm also from Trinidad and Tobago, the South Side, Point Fortin.
4: Now, you have a business called Inasantom Entertainment. Tell us about your company.
11: All right, so in a nutshell, Inasantom Entertainment Limited covers a wide range of entertainment and entertainment support. So we do stuff for the kids. We have bouncy castles, we have balloon twisting, we have clowns, we have different cartoon characters, popcorn, cotton candy, um, and very specialized catering in ice cream and snow cone and that type of thing. Um, On the other end of things, we also have an Asylum Studios where we do a lot of music, instrumentals, um, audio design, sound effects, tags, drops, intros, outros, and audio a Innocent
4: Entertainment will be a proud sponsor of culture Arama with Beaver Podcast. How do you feel, Aaron, as a
11: CEO? Well, I'm really on behalf of Innocent Entertainment Limited. I want to say that we are really honoured that we have the opportunity to partner with such a magnificent and fantastic Program.
4: Thank you so much, Aaron. So, Aaron, tell us how important is sponsorship to Innocentown?
11: We do a sponsorship for the Trinidad and Tobago Blind Healthy Association. We have done some stuff for the Trinidad and Tobago Goldball Association. We've done some stuff for the Titans Goalball Club. Uh, we've done some stuff for um, Everyone Needs a Helping Hand.
4: Foundation. So thank you, Aaron. Um in a Santa Entertainment there in Trinidad and Tobago. Uh yes, another crowd favorite was musical slash entertainment industry with Mr Chavane Daly. Shava Moschino, um over there in Kingston, Jamaica. We spoke about record sales and um, his record company, Blue Flames Records.
7: And how social media is affecting the music industry, or it's not affecting the music industry, basically. So we're gonna look. We're gonna use as us, um, coffee her latest, uh, her, well, her debut EP, Rapture, and the, 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 the sales. Although she she debuted at number one, they say it wasn't really great. So it was 444 copies sold from her Rapture EP. And I would like to hear what you guys think because for me, although that lander had number one on the billboard as a debut, for me that is really poor. And over the years, we have, we have, we have seen where reggae and dancehall music, um, or reggae and dancehall artists rather, is struggling to have. um really sales I really have their mark on those charts really because the sales that they are they're they, they doing is, is like ridiculous comparing to maybe their hip-hop and r&b counterparts what do you think is, it, is, is, is really the cause being that is it social media or is it something else
12: so for me though um i was looking especially at coffee situation mm-hmm. and uh, yeah i was speaking to someone and i was saying you know Perhaps it's the fact that most time, persons would automatically just want to put out stuff on YouTube. And for me, once it is something is on YouTube, I can just download it. It's easy. You don't really have to go on a specific site to say you're going to put in your car to order. And it's just convenient for persons. So if person can just download something quick, quick from YouTube, you're going to do that. I have it. I know, even though YouTube have monetized stuff, I don't think it really generate much for the artists. Well, in my view, um, mm. so I guess that is why really most times some artists, even though they might, you know, be doing good with a, with a song or a particular release, mm. it perhaps don't make as much as
0: we thought it would. Before technology and social media and everything mm-hmm. um, came in, we had um. Something very different. Persons used to depend on CDs and cassette players, Mm -hmm. records, um, advertisement in the the newspaper and, you know, via the radio to access the music. Um, Today, everything is very different. Because with the power of social media and the internet, Mm -hmm. and as everyone, they said, um, YouTube, if it's a way where where they can implement something to actually benefit the artists who upload their music, because streaming is taking over. Mm -hmm. Nobody... Purchases stuff anymore, so it's all about you know viewing this, and only the account holder really benefits. So, if it's a case where the artist can actually get some financial profit from you know the music that they put out, it's yours, you worked hard for this, so there should be some sort of contribution towards you um, in terms of what you have placed out there for everybody else to review. In
8: terms of the whole Jamaica music scene versus anywhere else in the world, mm-hmm. it's it's a cultural issue where in the States if you love an artist you go and purchase your music. True. In Jamaica, from the whole invention of cassette, <laughs> from your lover artist, you have a tape him. Tape
7: him straight.
8: Right? I'm, records, I'm also guilty
7: of that. Right. Yes, records yes,
8: yes. records were doing the best for artists in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. um in the states if one million persons love one million person love this artist and one million them. person buy him he's a million selling, a
7: million selling, selling artist. Artist, yeah.
8: in Jamaica a million uh, a million person love you you're going to have to earn your money off stage show performance Shoot. because everybody are going to have a cassette with a with, with yeah, the record, record in, yeah. in them house so, it's, it's, it's a cultural issue and then social media now come even, make things even worse where that is concerned.
4: Another crowd favorite episode is entrepreneurship slash your business idea with Mr. Kenneth Sarath from Trinidad and Tobago. I met him through a friend of mine, Mr. Karin Gunness. He works at the trinidad and tobago blind welfare association mr kenneth is the chief executive officer of the organization movement and a friend of mine was listening to the episode and he says wow look at jamaica versus trinidad we need to continue to impact the young people those with with visual challenges you know yes we need to impact these individuals so take a listen to this and you know be enlightened with me i have mr kenneth surat of trinidad and tobago he is the executive officer of the trinidad and tobago blind welfare organization hi kenneth welcome to the program
13: hi how are you i'm kenneth Surratt from trinidad and thank you very much for having me on your program
4: First of all, tell me who is Kenneth Surratt?
13: Kenneth Surratt, born 1968, 22 of July uh, in a small village in Mayaro, that's in the east of the island in an estate called Lagandu Estate. It is a coconut estate. Um, mm-hmm. I attended school uh, at the St. Thomas R.C. until 1978 yes. where I where recognized I had an eye problem and I was before, after joining the clinic, I was referred to the School for Blind Children.
14: Mm-hmm. I
13: stayed there for nine years, where I got my education. Also, I went on to do my associate degree in business administration with COSTAT. Okay. And I got totally blind at age 14 in 1982, but always had eye problems.
4: You are the executive officer of the Blind Welfare Association in Trinidad.
13: Yes. The organization started by a gentleman called Mr. James Alves. He went to Jamaica first to establish the association. But uh the Jamaican authority at that time wanted him to train someone to take over the job from him and he wasn't prepared to do that. He wanted to run the organization himself. So then he visited Trinidad and Tobago and he yes. formed the favor with the governor and the head of the Catholic Church at that everything. And mm-hmm. this through that he started the Trinidad and Tobago Institute for the Blind on the 14th, 18th of May, 1914 Okay
4: So what are some of the roles and functions of the executive
13: officer? The executive officer is the highest paid person I approve all expenditures prepare mm-hmm. budget for the ministry supervise our different heads of department I supervise So we have a branch in San Fernando that is another city the head is mm-hmm. in the Port of Spain city we have a branch at the Santa Cruz, in Santa Cruz, is a valley, and we mm-hmm. also have a branch in Tobago. So it's, my duty is to manage all the properties and persons who report to me directly.
4: Another crowd favorite is Mr. Wakas Ramsen. Mr. Wakas Ramsen from blindhelp.net yes i said it the blindhelp.net movement so i got in contact with him and he was able to do an interview with me tell me who is wakas Ramzan.
15: well wakas is basically uh, a person from pakistan and moreover he is a web developer a freelance web developer as well as currently working full-time as a, as a Chief Web Officer at BlindHelp Project. This freelance thing is just a secondary part that I do sometimes for just for the sake of uh, enhancing my knowledge and that's all. And uh, I'm, uh, for the sake of studies, I am currently just finished my college and entering into the university.
4: Tell me a brief history of BlindHelp.net.
15: Well, blindhelp.net uh, is actually the address and our uh, like uh, main name or the title is Blind Help Project or in short we are referred as BHP. On June 2014, a little Facebook group was formed by a person named Muhammad Hamza. So Hamza was basically a, a, like 8th eight, eight, grade student at that time and he thought of uh, something bigger that there need to be a complete full-fledged platform for the blind and the visually impaired community in the field of assistive technology because there are many of them but uh, they are all for the uh, like western world like the developed countries but there's nothing uh, perfectly uh, organized for the third world countries or for the asian countries so that's why he began with the facebook group and moreover we progress we begin to progress and more and more people join him like the second one was Abdullah Zubair from Hyderabad, Pakistan and he and these both boys begin and take this uh, project to the next level and uh, making a website and so on so this is basically the background
4: what are some of the uh, products and services and different stuff offered on blindhealth.net
15: So our services includes providing software uh, as well as publishing articles and producing uh, audio uh, demonstrations, and uh, and these are all related to the assistive technology and software and computers and stuff, smartphones and whatnot. So these, uh, let me explain these services one by one. So providing software in this thing, we basically have a large collection of software. Uh, there are like over over a thousand. And uh, these software are all accessible. Uh, These are all gathered because it is too much difficult to find an accessible software to meet certain needs of.
4: Another crowd favorite moment is what do you do? Segment with Chanel Patrice Hancock. Now I met Chanel in a Facebook group and she speaks multiple languages. Polyglot. Yes, a polyglot. Now <laughs> I only know at least two. I only know at least two languages, but for her to do Spanish, French, Dutch, German, Portuguese, wow, I've never seen it. Plus, it's 14. Guys, 14 languages. Hey Chanel. Hey, how are you? Thanks for coming on the show despite your busy schedule. Now, people, this is a very, very, very interesting episode and i'm glad i was able to track down chanel to come and share her experience now she is the ceo slash founder of chanel's language learning journey podcasting where amazing things happen right chanel right Okay. Now, first of all, tell us a little bit about Chanel Patrice Hancock. You had a a sickness back then where you were confined to a wheelchair. Tell us all about that.
14: Well, I was probably about 9, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And this was like back in the mid to late 80s. And when I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, um, 42 years ago, um, I had retinopathy of prematurity. And then when I turned three and a half, I wound up getting um, seizures. So I had grandma seizures for a period of about 10 years. Um, and subsequently, due to me being born at such a low birth weight and three months premature, um, I woke up one morning and, you know, most kids, they just jump out of bed, you know, rush out the door, go to the bathroom. Well, I didn't jump out of bed. I, I tried to jump out of bed, and what happened was I fell straight to the ground. Could not move anything from my head down to my neck. That was the only thing I couldn't move, actually.
4: There you go, guys. That's the year in review for the shows for 2019. On want to thank Inner Sanctum Entertainment CEO, Mr. Aaron George, for partnering with me in ultimate this program be a success. We look forward in serving you in the new year 2020. You can follow me on Twitter at Culturama K U L C H A R A M A. You can also subscribe to my emailing list Culturama plus subscribe at groups.io. That's K U L C H A r-a-m-a plus subscribe at groups.io my website guys is on the way of building my potit.net application form will be almost ready for completion if you would like to apply to be a guest on the cultural motiva podcast show also my youtube page is coming up all my social media pages are coming up so guys stick and stay trust me there are a lot of stuff in store and i just want to say thank you so much for listening you can find my show on the following anchor dot net apple podcast podcatcher spotify break public public radio, public radio fm stitcher dodge radio in the uk on tuesdays at 11 pm uk time ccv radio in trinidad on thursdays at 8 p.m eastern cns ncn i beg your pardon ncn radio in guyana on sundays at 11 a.m guyana time so i want to thank my studio engineers for working assiduously you know to ensure that that the production goes well i thank you mr Sidney thorpe my voice trainer and my studio engineer from kingston jamaica also my creative craft specialist and also studio engineer mr damian rose from kingston jamaica and mr gary Cameron from north carolina thank you guys for ensuring that the production goes well happy new year guys and thank you and i look forward into continuing to work with you three i want to wish you a happy 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 2020 Gods are just blessings on you, good health and strength, and long life. Happy, happy new year. See you in
3: January. We are Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva. We encourage you to listen and join us in a journey of cultures, ideas, and innovations as Diva takes us around the world with her guests. An amazing show with an amazing host. We thank you for accepting the challenge of opening your mind. We are Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, and we are a proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva.